Hello and welcome to Let It Be, a podcast about less doing and more being. This is episode 22. as you just said, is about less doing and more being. And I can't think of any activity that facilitates this better than reading books, which is something you and I both love probably more than anything else. (laughs) Um, um, So today's episode, the intent of today's episode, um, because it is one we could talk about for three hours, um, but we're not going to, dear listeners. Um, (laughs) We won't record it anyway. (laughs) Yeah. The intent is that it's going to be pretty loose and just more of a chance for you guys to get us to get to know us a little bit better. So, Brooke, tell me, do you get to read as much as you like? And when you do, what are you reading? I get to read a lot. I make time for a lot of reading, but it's never as much as I would like. I, I could genuinely kill a day with my nose in a book and you know for on holidays I'll often just read a day away you know with meal breaks and play breaks and whatnot but it's one of my favorite things to do but I read every day usually at night and I'm always reading fiction I have like I have to have a fiction book on the go so currently I'm reading Sand by Hugh Howey um just before the beginning of this year I, I read the Wool Trilogy by Hugh Howey, yeah. and they're some of the best books I've ever read. In terms of just capturing you into a story and creating a new world, it was so entertaining and so... Addictive. It really was addictive. Yeah. Like, I still haven't stopped thinking about it. And uh, I read Wool, um, oh, must be... Okay, well, it was in when we were in our old house. It's over three years ago. Um, I was just telling book listeners before we got on this podcast that we finally got the keys to our new house hey. yesterday. <laughs> and it's been like we moved out of it over three years ago um, when my daughter was like one month old. So, yeah, so I read Wool when we were in that old house. It was over three years ago. And, um, yeah, it was just fully, fully so addictive. I just I stayed up till so many 1am <laughs> it was ridiculous and in the end I had to just push through and read everything because I was like I can't keep stay up, staying up to 1am this is not working out for me really well but interestingly you I think you told me you're reading Sand now yes which is also by Hugh Howie and I've not got to Sand yet so I'm really enjoying it I, I don't know like I don't I didn't know anything about it coming into it I just was on a Hugh Howie bender and went to my library yeah. and requested every title and uh, <laughs> I finally got around to reading Sand. Like I borrowed it three times and this is actually now I'm, I'm actually reading it. Um, and I'm, I'm enjoying it a lot. He just has this way of writing about these worlds. And I do love a good like, post-apocalyptic dystopian kind of yeah. fiction. That's sort of my thing. And uh, this is very much in that kind of, you know, of, of that bent. And I'm enjoying it. I f- I'm feeling very claustrophobic reading it. I won't <laughs> Because I'm I'm one of, I'm a bit like you. I don't I don't want to know anything about a book before I start reading it. I don't like yeah, I don't like knowing anything that's gonna happen before because it's no. just I think this is from doing English lit at school where we learnt about foreshadowing. Yes. And now like I pick up on the teeniest bit of foreshadowing in a book and it really ruins things for me. So I, mean, um, even, yeah. I just read a book while we were away uh, called We Are All Completely Beside Ourselves. And yeah, I started reading that, yep. Yeah, and the, the blurb um, 
sort of said uh, one or on the jacket somewhere it said one hell of a twist. So like the whole time yeah. I'm reading it, I'm like what's the twist? Where does it come? And when it came, I'm like, ah, oh, well I wish I hadn't have known that there was a twist coming. You know, so I'm the same. Exactly, I don't like you are. You're just waiting the whole time for it. Yeah, I remember that. I, I didn't like that book. I have to say it was a bit. I didn't like the twist either. It, but, um, like, I don't know. I'm still torn on it. I, I kind of like it was. It was interesting, you know. It raised a lot of questions, I guess. Yeah, I think it's because it disturbed me. It yes. made it brought up a lot of things, and I was, it was like, disturbing. Oh, I don't like this. Uh, yeah, I don't, yeah. Isn't it funny? I I'm reading a. I just finished reading a book, and I'm actually rereading it now. Um, called uh, A Little Life by Hanya Yani Gehara. Um, it is an amazing book. It's a fat book. It's so – and I don't normally pick up very, very thick books because, you know, it would just take me so long to get through because I only read at night um, before I go to bed. But um, this is one of those really massive books that and, – and also like you, I, I'm a big fan of dystopian fiction, science fiction fantasy because I like to escape. Yeah. Um, I don't really like reading about real life all that much um but this obviously like you know a few people shared it on facebook that they were reading it and said it was amazing and that's how i know to read a book i don't you know as i said i don't read blurbs i don't go looking for things like that i just read the books my friends tell me to read or what it, you know the books that people are talking about and um yeah this book was amazing it but incredibly incredibly disturbing mm. and i guess i just want to talk to you about that for a second because I kind of catch myself kind of going, I can't I can't read this because it's, it's too disturbing. And then I think, but this is real life for some people. And because you're, you're, you, know, you live in this comfortable little bubble, you need to know these things happen. Yeah. Like what, what do you think about that? Like, should, you know, given that reading is a hobby and a favourite pastime, where do you think mm. the place for reality is? It's a really good question because <laughs> I was thinking about this yesterday. I don't watch the news. I, Same. I don't read the newspapers. Um, I'm, I, like I have very little interest in the kind of, uh, you know, sad sadness of it and, you know, the tragedy porn that people peddle, yes. which is what I feel like most news items are now. It's not so much an unbiased view of what's happening in the world, but it's like how can we get a reaction out of people? It's like quick, yeah, quick it's bait news. Yeah, very fair-based. Yeah. yeah. So I won't engage with that because it makes me uncomfortable in lots of different ways. But then I'll read like really quite disturbing books <laughs> that deal with really – difficult topics and not have the same response so I don't know whether it's actually opening me up to be a more compassionate and understanding person which I think is the case yeah I, um, I think it is you know and it's it's presented from a point of view but it's it's also presented you know as um it's not presented as news in fact either so uh yeah I, I have a, a strange kind of relationship with that I guess because I don't have a problem with reading dark dark books you know things that take you to dark places there are some things that I just won't read and I'm fine with that and some things that I just have to close the book on and I'm fine with that too um because we all I think we've all got our our things that just take take it too far for us yeah um trigger off too many yeah exactly uh, yeah I mean anything where a kid is being even just emotionally um what's the word abused yeah um, much less physically abused, I find really hard to deal with because immediately I put my own kids in that of position course. and go, oh, my God, I can't believe that this is reality for people. I read yeah. um, 
let me quickly talk about nonfiction because I, I, I flick back and forth between fiction and nonfiction and I particularly love memoirs because I, I love getting uh, insight into how people's minds work. Um, I, you know, I used to read it back in my triathlon days, I used to read a lot of athlete memoirs because I, you know, I loved hearing how successful people, like what drove them and what made them you know, successful. But um, since stopping being an athlete, <laughs> I read more um, – more wide-ranging memoirs and one I wrote read I think it was the end of last year was Rosie Waterland who's a um you know who started writing for Mamma Mia a couple of years ago and then she she wrote her memoir which was um it's called The Anti-Cool Girl and that was her upbringing by two drug addicts mm. and like in the end I actually had to stop reading it at night time because it was so disturbing and upsetting to me um some of the stuff she was sharing in there that I it provoked anxiety attacks and I couldn't actually read it. Like I had to wait till I was on a plane and then I was like, okay, I'm in a safe place on a plane. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't need to sleep. It doesn't matter. Um, and, yeah, I just found found that really disturbing. But at the same time, it gave me such an insight into the fact that not everybody has lived the same life as I have. Yes. Speaking of kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Didn't know if you could hear that, but obviously you can. <laughs> Hi, guys. Um, yeah, so it's a tough one, I think, because I think we like that's what I love about books, and even and fiction books are the same. I mean, this fiction book, the A Little Life that I'm reading right now, so it's fiction. It's not real, but it still gives real insights into you know things like abuse that mm. I've obviously not experienced. Well, not obviously, but I, I have not experienced. But it's important for us to know that these things happen and it's important for us to know that, you know, people who have experienced these things, this is why they might act or behave the way that they do. And I think that's what I love about it is um, I really like understanding where where people's reactions come from. Yeah. So if someone acts a bit weird, I don't kind of go, oh, my God, you're an idiot. Like I kind of go, oh. There's other things uh, happening here. Yeah, like, what's going on there? What lies behind that? Um, that's it. One of, I know we're talking about books, but that's one of the reasons I love really, really well, um, well-written TV as well, like Breaking yeah. Bad, for example. The character development, like that's not an experience that I'm ever going to have. Like I'm never going to cook meth in a camp and become <laughs> – but, you know, like to, to get into <laughs> – to get into – a space where you kind of start to get insights into why people make the decisions that they do and the choices that they make look so bizarre from the outside. But once you start to understand that there is a whole spectrum of human experience and I'm on a tiny bit of it, yeah. you know, I just think that, that it, it kind of helps to broaden and, and deepen your understanding of the fact that we are all very different and we are all very alike. As well. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's it. I definitely have found that, yeah, certainly reading memoirs and reading, you know, these more realistically based kind of books has definitely made me a more compassionate person because mm. now I, yeah, I understand people's behaviors and I judge people a lot less harshly because, mm. yeah, instead of just going, well, you're a jerk, yeah. <laughs> you kind of go, oh, okay, um, and you kind of go looking for why why that reaction was rather than going, yeah, you're just an idiot. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't read many memoirs. The only books that I read are comedy biographies or memoirs or, you know, 
yeah, Amy Poehler and Tina Fey's books are some of my favorite for the last few years. And um, Judd Apatow has a book called Sick in the Head, which I absolutely adored. It's it's just conversations that he has had over the last 35 years with uh, other comics and comedians. And he started as a teenager interviewing, you know, I think Seinfeld oh, wow. or someone like that. And uh, it was phenomenal just to see how alike we all are. Like it was one of the most human, sad, happy, sweet, bitter books that I've ever read. And it's just human. Like it, it's, it is a study on what it is to be a, a person, you know, and I absolutely loved it. Um, but I don't read too many biographies. I've read a few like rock star um, yeah, <laughs> which are really like they're fun. They're stupid and ridiculous. Like we read Slashes and one. eye opening. Oh yeah, <laughs> I've read a few of those. I can't remember who's um, oh, um Anthony Kiedis. Oh yeah, I actually had to put that down. He was just like a step to um, yeah. <laughs> oh, he was a wanker. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I actually had You're to put it down. Yeah, we, he obviously <laughs> is. You know, we're on his radar. Uh, but I, I, Slash is one I actually genuinely enjoy. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of the one that I read that, oh, some of the, oh, no, it was the minder for, for a few um, for a few rock stars and some of the stories. I was just like, okay, whoa. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just going to leave that here. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of these things that you know happen but you don't. Until you've actually had the story put in front of you, just like, wow, people live really different lives to me. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) But um, let's go back to fiction because you and I um, both love fiction and we both love um, fantasy, sci-fi and dystopian fiction. And we would like Patrick Rothfuss because he is also listening. Of course. Um, please hurry up and finish the third book. <laughs> I'm sure no one has said that to him ever. So. I, I'm sure they haven't. We're, yeah. we're really patient. No, no yeah. it's a bit like um, the. I think he has Patrick Rothfuss has reshared about a thousand times um, people defending um, George Martin about not finishing <laughs> Game of Thrones, and keeps reminding us that authors owe us nothing. They don't owe us getting their books out in time for us to read them. But goddamn, like we just love you so much, and we want to I read. Know. Them. We want to find out what happens. I know so, it's such. A, that's an amazing world that he's created. Like I, the, I can't even begin to fathom what that takes to create that oh. world and those characters because it's all in. I, I fully believe in it when I'm reading his books. It's they're wonderful, and I can see why it's taking so long. The, yeah. I think this is the problem with with people falling in love with your series before the series is over. Yeah. Because I can only imagine now the pressure because the first two books have delivered just mega yeah. and you're just like, well, where's he going to go now? Because do, um, do you read any of the Robert Jordan um, Eye of the World series? No. Oh, right. Okay, so this – um, he ended up, he, he died. Um, it was up to, I can't even remember, I think up to book 13 of this series and it was just, um, 
amazing series, but I think it just got to the point of like, well, how is this going to end in yeah. a satisfactory way? I mean, we're up to book 13 now. And um, when we were talking earlier, you had mentioned how like when you read these series, you've got to like reread the first two books, you know, when yeah, the so third when, one comes exactly. out. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, the Robert Jordan series, like you were having to reread like 13 books like you know when book seven came out I had to reread the first six when book eight came out I had to reread it was like that's a full-time job seriously (laughs) you would not like because there's so many people to be across like this you know the cast of characters was you know it's completely insane so yeah it's it's so interesting I would not want to be in these authors positions Mm -mm. of yeah of people falling in love with with what they've written and the worlds that they've created before they finished doing it because yeah yeah, i would be i would be paralyzed i'd be going um i can't do this yeah well i think it's like you know um an artist or a band will put out an amazing debut record and everyone loves it and then the second second album is yeah you know broadly awaited everyone is just you know hanging out for it and the pressure of that and then the pressure of getting your reviews and stuff coming through and if they're not as good you know like I think that would be awful I, I yeah I'd be paralyzed that's it I just yeah I look at it going you know it's such a double-edged sword because we you know the writer is so talented that they have created this world that we as readers have become so invested in but then because we're so invested in it, like we now have expectations, and oh yeah, so yeah, Pat Pat Rothfuss, I feel I feel you, uh, you know, but I don't know up. how you. <laughs> like, <laughs> I promise to not be disappointed. Um, yeah, I'm. I am very much looking forward to it whenever it whenever it comes out. Yeah. Um, I have also I, I I read from books from the library. I used to have an iPad, um, and it got dropped down the stairs. So. Oh. <laughs> I now go to the library and I must admit, I absolutely love having a physical book in my hands again. Um, I really enjoy it. Like I I used to struggle with sleep because I was reading on the iPad too. Like I had the Kindle app, but the backlight uh, and the blue tinged light really affected my sleep and I didn't realize how much it was affecting my sleep until my iPad got dropped down the stairs. So um, I've always got books on hold at the library. Like I keep a little Evernote note of books that I want to read. And then as I'm finishing my current book, I will go in and order, like go online from my library and order the next book that I want to read. So after I finish um, Sand, I've got, I want to finish uh, Margaret Atwood's trilogy, the Mad Adam trilogy yeah, so, i've heard of that one i didn't even realize there was a trilogy i thought it was just a one i think they're just i think they're kind of companion books there's uh, not a huge amount of crossover i don't think like there is some but i don't think it's the the same character all the way through i've read the first one oryx and crake which was kind of disturbing in parts uh and then there's you're the flood is my next book to come in Oh, um, no. Nice. Yeah, I need to – I always need to have a book on the go. I absolutely have to have a book. Otherwise, I feel all at sea. Yeah, oh, de- well, th- this is a thing. Like, if I don't have a good book on me at the moment and it's time to go to bed, like I can't – I love having that good book because it, I look forward to going to bed. I mean, I look forward to going to bed anyway because who doesn't? <laughs> um, only toddlers. Exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, having that good book waiting for me. So, yeah, I've been loving having A Little Life. So I've read A Little Life already, found it really disturbing, but I'm reading through it a second time now to pick up all the stuff I missed the first time mm-hmm. around because 
I'm one of those like real super, like uh, fast readers to the point of skimming. Like yeah. if I love a book, which I love pretty much every book I read, I do skim through to the end because I just need to know what happens. Um, so I do love going back and getting all the nuances that I missed the first time around. And I'm finding with A Little Life um, – it's less disturbing the second time around because I guess I know ultimately what happens mm. and how everyone ends up. But it's funny you talk about um, having real books. Like I too love having real books but this is a massive book <laughs> and it's so hard to hold. Well, it's <laughs> so, good. He's doing like weight-bearing exercise at the same time yeah. as reading. <laughs> I shift my position. I go on one side, I go on the other side, I go in the middle and then Ant's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I just can't get comfortable reading this book. It's too big. That's why I don't read hardback. I don't like hardback books. Just throwing it out there. Who likes hardback books? I don't like. No, no. I don't. I've never actually thought about it too much, but I wouldn't. (laughs) Because they always, when they first come out, like that's what's available. Yeah, Yeah. that's all you can buy. And I'm like, I can't buy you right now because you're only out in hardback. Six months later, it comes out in paperback. Yeah. So then you have to. I, I always. What I do now, I. I tend to read on the iPad um, unless I get unless I'm going past an airport. So the only time I buy real books is when I'm in an airport, and then I buy like six. Yes, <laughs> and then I have to carry these books everywhere with me wherever I'm going. But um, yeah, I tend to read the book on the iPad first. I just turn the screen um, thing right down. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, I think with the latest update to um, iOS as well, they do have the the nighttime screen option yeah, where you can have like the orange tint which apparently doesn't impact your sleep as much as the blue. Yeah, and I also find that reading on the phone, so sometimes like I try to read, I try not to have screens in the room, so I try to read real books before bedtime Um, but if I'm a bit desperate, and this is I guess what I love about this iPad, Kindle, Amazon, one click, gets me every time generation (laughs) that we live in right now is that if I – because I don't get out to bookshops very much and bookshops are a dying breed as well. Um, so, and I don't go to the library. Why don't, I think it's because I hate having to go back to the library and to do books. So I end up just getting books on iPad. If I love the book, then I'll go and buy the real book to have on my bookshelf because I do love having books on my bookshelf. But having said that also, um, I've got so many, it's getting a little bit out of control now. So like, what do you do with your books, Brooke? I, so that's part of the reason why I started going to the library. Yeah. Um, I, so then I'll, I'll borrow a book and if I love it, absolutely love it, I will buy it. Like um, Judd Apatow's book, Next Time in a Bookshop, I will be buying Sick in the Head because I just loved it. And yeah. I think more often than not, I will only buy non-fiction books though because I like to be able to highlight and scribble yeah. notes and fiction, not so much. Like I, I can always re-borrow a book that I loved from the library and hap- happily read that and then take it back. But, uh, I mean, I have some old faithfuls on my bookshelf that I'll never get rid of, like Tim Winton books and To Kill a Mockingbird and The Hobbit and things like that, Lord of the Rings series, um, because I want to have them around me. I love those yeah. books. You know, they're, they're important books and I will pick them up at any point and start reading them and 
Um, so we don't have that many. I've actually purged a lot of books. Um, and yeah, because thought- this is on my mind at the moment because we're going to be moving soon and I'm looking at all the books that we have and I'm going, hmm. Yeah, I don't have a problem with books. You know, I don't see books as clutter unless, of course, you're never going to read them again and then yeah. they just clutter. They're just rectangular pieces of clutter. <laughs> <laughs> so I um, – yeah, that I, I will buy books, but generally books on creativity or writing or business, I will buy in a like a, a hard version, a physical version, yeah. and fiction not so much, unless I'm at an airport. <laughs> yes, and then it's then it's all bets are off. I do that as well. I, do you know what? I would I never used to be able to deface a book. I would never in a million years have highlighted, but only in the, but in the last couple of years, that's I've started doing that as well. With, I love um, it. With non-fiction yeah. books is um i think i got brene a friend sent me her copy of brene brown's ugh, which one which one was it the one on vulnerability um and i just oh gifts of imperfection and my god i just was just got just about highlighted the whole thing <laughs> <laughs> um and i love it because i love being able to flip back through and get these little touch points that really and see what things really spoke to me at the time it's um yeah, so I'm interested to hear um, if people tweet us and let us know if you think we're the worst person people in the world for highlighting in our books and writing notes or whether you agree that that's what real books are for. Yeah, I just think there's, I mean, there's only a handful of books that I've ever felt the 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 need to, but I love, like I love it. You know, On Writing by Stephen King, Bird by Bird by Anne Lamott. Oh, uh, that, that book made me cry because it was so perfect. It was such an amazing, incredible <laughs> book. And, yeah, On Writing is similar. I mean, completely different but similarly yeah. precious to me. And I love Stephen King. Like I'll, I'll read Stephen King. Anything except his really, really horror books like Pet Sematary and stuff I won't read, but everything else of his I, I'm, I will devour. Um, the other thing that I wanted to ask you, do you listen to audiobooks? Do you know I've only ever listened to one and that was Tribe by Seth Godin um, and it was fine because I just used to, I, I think I was training for a marathon at the time so I just used to listen to it on like my two-hour runs and stuff but I don't like consuming books in that fashion. I really need to see, I need to see the words and I need to be, because I like being able to reread over yes. words that have particularly impacted me and savor them and um yeah my brain just doesn't process things the same way yeah it's interesting I feel like I we've just started to look at um fiction books as audio and I think that's something that I could really get behind more than so I listened to the Icarus Deception by Seth Godin which I loved um but the same thing. There are bits of the book that I wanted to stop and rewind and listen to yeah. and play back, play back, play back. Uh, and that's, the, I guess, the only downside of audio books is that you can't do that. Uh, the well, other, I would say, um, I was going to say the upside of audio books, um, audio non-fiction books, is that when they're read by the author, which I think they should always be, yeah. um, the author gives emphasis in the places where they really want emphasis. Definitely. And I think that's something that's very... Um, very handy when it comes to audiobooks but yeah have fiction I would find I think 
I would find that weird. I'll have to give it a go. What I, I want to uh, listen to the Harry Potter series with the kids uh, when we do like a big driving holiday or something like yeah. that. I think that would be really fun because I mean, I loved Harry Potter and I, our daughter loves Harry Potter. She's only seven, so she's only um, been introduced to the first book, but uh, yeah. Can you believe I've not read Harry Potter? <gasps> no, really? I know. I do. Do you know? I ha- I also have this thing. So I rely on people's recommendations for books, but when it gets to a, like a certain point of popularity, do yeah. you go? I'm not interested. <laughs> yes, it's so it's so ridiculous. And then do you know what? And then of course, eventually, I read the damn book and I go, "This is amazing!" And I think. Of course, it's amazing. Everybody liked it. So what? It's just that contrarian um, not wanting to jump on bandwagon. So it took me quite a while to read The Hunger Games because everybody was, everyone was talking about it. So I'm like, I'm not going to read that book. I was the same with The Hunger Games. Yeah, but when I read it, I read it all three in like a week. Yeah, well, I read all three in two days because we went on this trip to Sydney. So I was like reading them on the plane and then I was reading them like I was completely antisocial because I just wanted to keep reading these books. And I felt so stupid by the end because I was like, why did you refuse to read these books just because everyone else read them? But, yeah, but I, for whatever reason, I've not got onto Harry Potter yet. Um, I think because I know there's so many of them. So yeah. I know that if I read one, then there's I've got to read seven. Is that how many there are? There seven. is, yeah, seven, yeah. Eight, eight movies, seven books. Yeah, so um, yeah, I don't know. That's ridiculous. I, I need to get over that. You know, I just, I mean, like, look, it is what it is. They're books written for kids, but it's such a wonderful. Same thing. She just created this entire world that you are just immersed in, and, and I believed in, you know, fully while I was reading it. And it's it's really wonderful. Um, and anything that gets that, that gets kids reading as well. I mean, that's there's a whole generation of, of kids who are now teenagers who grew yeah. up reading because of Harry Potter. And I, I just know, think that's and I awesome. I think that's the most amazing thing about it. Is it? I mean, I know it got my brothers reading, like my youngest brother who's not a reader, and it got him reading. Yeah. So I think, yeah. Well, I haven't not read this yet. Um, <laughs> it's your homework. But to wrap up, because we could literally keep talking f- about books forever because we love them. Yep. Um, what are your comfort reads? What are the books that you kind of come back to if you've got nothing on the go or, you know, you just need a – I've got a book like that's like a warm hug. What, what's your warm hug book? Yeah, I mean, I like I mentioned, I need to have a book and if, I've, if it's finished and I haven't been to the library, I will go back to – uh, the Hobbit is almost always on my bedside table. The Hunger Games, uh, or a, even though I don't really read nonfiction in bed, I will read Amy Poehler's book at yeah. any time of the day or night because I love her. And uh, yeah, the, probably those three. Uh, did I say The Hunger Games? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just Mostly. it's not it's not it's not a warm hug of a book, but. <laughs> But it's kind of that book like where you know it's com- you know it's coming, you know you're going to be entertained, you can immerse yourself in it, and yeah, and it's easy reading too. I think that's I think that's Im- I think that's so important. And people, just quickly, people kind of bag out easy reading. I love easy reads. Easy reading is really hard to write, people. Yeah, um, just saying. Um, so yeah, any and that's what I, I found that with Hunger Games as well. It was just such easy reading, and it's because it's. Um, what is it, young adult um, fiction. And I just loved it for that. I loved being able to just breeze through it, not be stopped every two seconds, having to try and process a sentence. Um, But, yeah, my warm hug book, I've kind of got two that I come back to 
if I'm feeling a little bit um, agitated or sad, I read Mia Friedman's book, Mamma Mia, which is, I think, random. Um, but I think it's because in that book, like, I identify with a lot of the things that she talks about and she talks about being quite driven. She experience, she loses a baby in that book. Much I've had... Um, I've had four miscarriages. Mm. So, and I first read that book when I was kind of fighting to hold on to, I think, about the third one. And, you know, the doctor, I'd been oh, to see wow. the doctor. Yeah. He'd sent me home. He said, you need to go lie down on the couch and just chill out and pray <laughs> and cross your fingers. Um, so, Aunt took me to the bookshop and I saw Mia's book there and I was like, oh, okay, uh, I'll get that because I've heard it's quite good. And so, in that book, she loses a baby quite advanced. And I don't know, ever since like I had that experience, like there's been this connection. So whenever mm. I feel like this a little bit at sea or a little bit sad, I just go to that book um, for a little, yeah, it's not a warm hug, but it is in a way. Yeah. But um, the the one that is a genuine warm hug is um, Bill Bryson. I love everything Bill Bryson. I just love him. Um, <laughs> everything I've read everything that he has written. But I particularly love Down Under because it's his book about Australia and just it is just perfect. All his descriptions about, you know, things like how blasé we are about all these things that we have that can kill us, <laughs> um, you know, even things like rips at, you know, at the beach and spiders and sharks and, and the way that he just perfectly captures the, you know, the Australian kind of laconic, yeah, well, you know, these things can happen. Yeah, should be it's, right. It, it's just perfection. So I just um, that book's actually packed away in a box at the moment. I haven't been able to get to it, and it's driving me a bit insane because I've kind of had these moments where I'm like, I need down under. Where is it? Oh bloody hell! It's it's down under. It is literally <laughs> down under. It is in a box in the cellar, and I cannot get to it because there's a couch on top of the you know the cellar door. Um, so yeah, so that they're my two quite random. Yeah, comfort reads. Yeah, my other one I will say is um, The Walking Dead. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, (laughs) make of that what you will. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode of Let It Be. If you want to connect with Kelly or myself, you can find us on social media. Kelly is at Kelly Exeter on Twitter. And on Facebook, if you search for A Life Less Frantic, you will find her there. And on uh, Twitter, I'm at Brooke McCallery. And on Facebook, I'm at Slow Your Home. And uh, if you wanted to either reach out to us on Twitter, you can use hashtag LetItBePod or uh, head over to LetItBe.fm and you can find our show notes and other information about the show. And finally, if you wanted or felt you know, the desire to leave us a rating or a review on iTunes, that would be wonderful. And, um, you know, we we read them all and we appreciate you taking the time to listen and then uh, tell us what you think. Jackrabbit FM. For your ears. Who is that? Hi, Puck Pass.